this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Good morning. When I was doing my chaplain training, <clears throat> drink a little water. One of the greatest aha moments for me as a work as a chaplain at a hospital is that I did not like silence. Silence was not easy for me. I desperately wanted words. Maybe it is because I am just extroverted enough, or maybe it's because I come from loud people. I won't name names, but I once had someone who married into my family who told me a holiday meal with my family is a lot to take in. What can we say? We have a gift for gab, we like to talk, we like to talk over each other. But I think it was actually more than that. I realized that frankly, the harder the situation, the sadder, the more tragic the circumstance, the more I desperately wanted to have something to say, anything to say. It didn't even have to be the right thing to say. I wanted words. I've worked at three different hospitals, and genuinely, as a hospital chaplain, what you do is you make rounds for the most part. That's just plain old knocking on patient rooms' doors. And I would go in, and I could make conversation. I could talk to a wall. We could talk about football and basketball and the weather and the aches and the pains and how good or how bad the hospital food was, and I could offer a quick word of prayer. I could even hold someone's hand while they got a painful shot, and then I'd be out the door and on my merry way. The hard part were the calls to the ER, the calls to the maternity ward for stillbirths, children's chemotherapy wings, the burn units. I wanted words. I needed Words. I found myself searching for words. And what I quickly realized that all that other stuff, all that chit chat was so small. It felt so trivial when I wanted something to say because the chaplain should have something to say, right? But sometimes some things are just too big for words. And today's half-truth that I wanted to explore with you is one of those phrases that I think we tend to blurt out in moments and situations where we desperately want something to say. Moments where we feel like there's nothing to say, and it's in those moments that we sometimes pull out a phrase like this one and tell it to somebody. God won't give you more than you can handle. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And maybe you've heard that phrase. Maybe you've even told yourself that phrase. And it has given you 
some strength and some peace and comfort. Maybe it's helped you to carry on, to know that perhaps you are indeed stronger than you realize and that you can keep on going. If God doesn't give you more than you can handle, then maybe you're stronger than you realize and it gives you peace and strength to keep going. But I think for a lot of us, what that phrase does is tend to do the opposite. It doesn't give us comfort. It might even make us mad. And maybe this phrase has come to you in some certain way. Like maybe you've had someone say, I know you're having a really hard time right now, but you're going to get through this because don't forget, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I think of a mom that I know who's raising two disabled children whose lives she knows will be cut short and brief in life because of what they have to face. And she has mentioned that what she hates to hear from people is that when someone says to her, you must be chosen for this, you must be such a special mom because God knew you could handle this because God doesn't give you more than you can handle. She doesn't like being told that. And this is one of those phrases, these half-truths that we say to one another that actually people sometimes point to as being rooted in Scripture. And so I wanted to mention this Scripture today and explore it just briefly here with you this morning. And the phrase, the Scripture that people point to for this is Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. It's one of Paul's letters. And this is what the Scripture says. I'm going to begin in verse 11, chapter 10. These things happened to them to serve as an example, and they were written down to instruct us on whom the ends of the ages have come. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. It sure does sound a lot like saying God won't give you more than you can handle. But the problem with this particular passage is that you'll see, especially if you have your Bibles with you, that the context of it is just all wrong. Paul isn't saying this to people about their enormous suffering and loss that they've experienced. He's saying it to people who are tested as in temptation, like choosing to do something you shouldn't do. And he says, we're all going to be tempted. We're all going to be tested this way. It's why it's really important, why we need to pay attention to the context of Scripture and pull in one Bible verse out. You can miss the entire point, because if you read in this passage, even before it, you see that uh, Jesus is talking about sexual immorality, and just after this passage, he's talking about um, worshiping idols at the pagan temple. And so verse 13 does seem to fit. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing... He will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. But if you keep reading, verse 14 says, Therefore, my dear friends, 
flee from the worship of idols. Paul isn't telling them that God won't give them more than they can handle. God is telling them that they're going to have the strength to endure whatever temptations they may face. He's writing a letter to the church he started. He knows these people. He knows that many of them had been pagans and now they are followers of Jesus and Christians. They are living as religious minority in the world and he knows how easy it is to just stop by that pagan temple and worship there. And here he is saying, you're going to face these tests, but God is going to give you strength to endure it. He's not talking about the suffering and losses they face. He's trying to keep them walking the right path for them, to keep them from going back to their pagan lives. Some of the reasons this half-truth to me just doesn't totally make the mark is that we often say this phrase to someone who's really at their lowest, at their most vulnerable and depths of despair. That's when we pull this phrase out of our back pocket. And to say to someone, God won't give you more than you can handle, certainly implies that God's the one doing all these horrible things to you that you're facing right now. Instead of simply understanding suffering, as a way of life, as a part of the human experience, as a part of the human experience that our Savior took on with us, the Jesus who experienced suffering and loss, the Jesus who knew pain and heartache and brokenness and betrayal and even death. That is at the heart of our gospel story and scripture doesn't promise us that we're going to get a pass through hard times or suffering or losses. The gospel doesn't try to say to us if we just do everything right. If we make it to church on fall break Sunday, if we make it to church and, and we do everything right, that nothing bad will happen, that we will, the car tires will never go off the road that the test results will never be bad, that the, the house won't burn down or the church building won't burn down. But that's not what the gospel message is. We, following Jesus, does not give us a pass from hard days. It gives us a way through it, a way through the pain and suffering and loss. I often read in funerals a different passage from Paul. And it's Rome, Romans chapter 8. And I want to read this passage, a little bit of it, to you this morning. Because I happen to like to read this, these words at funerals especially. Because I think when you're staring death in the eye, it is good to get a reminder of this truth. And in this letter, Paul is actually talking about suffering. And how we are to face it and experience it. And this is what Paul writes. He says, who will separate us? From Christ's love, will we be separated by troubles or distress, harassment or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? In all these things, we have a sweeping victory through the one who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers 
not present things or future things, not power or height or depth or any other thing that is created can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word Paul offers about suffering, that nothing we face can ever separate us from his love. It's who Jesus was. It's what his ministry was on earth, a love that is promised to never let us go. A second challenge with this half-truth, God won't give us more than we can handle, is that it seems to me to imply that if we can't handle it, if we need somebody to lean on to help us get us through, or worse, there's something wrong with us because we can't handle it, or something wrong with our faith because we should believe, right? We tell ourselves, if I really and truly believe, if God won't give me more than I can handle, then I should be able to handle it. But what we find is that we need others. We aren't meant to go alone. And so we lean on our family and our friends and our spouses, and our church, and our pastors, and our pets, and our therapists, and our counselors. We are meant to lean on others because we are the body of Christ, connected, all a part of the body. We are never meant to go it alone. We were never meant to do that. Even our Savior, on the last night before his arrest, he gave us an image of love, an image that washed feet, to remind them, love one another as I have loved you. You know, a friend of mine from college died earlier this year from brain cancer, and she wrote a book about that in her last year of life, and I've mentioned this before. It's called What We, were, what we Wish Were True, Reflections on Nurturing Life and Facing Death. And in it, she writes that one night while she was cuddling her seven-year-old son and putting him to bed, getting ready to pray with him, he suddenly offered his own unprompted prayer. Dear God, could you please make sure to take away all the cancer from my mom's brain? She's right here in the bed with me if you need to find her. And she writes, the truth is, I have already been found. And then she goes on to name all the people who remind her of this truth. Her church, her family, her friends, even strangers who have reminded her that she was found and held to by a love that won't let her go. You know, the chaplain training experience of being a chaplain, one of the most important things I learned besides not enjoying the silence, was that you actually don't need very much words sometimes. I learned to trust in the spirit at work and to rely less on my quick phrases in my back pocket and to trust more in the spirit of God to move in the silence. A hand to hold, a shoulder to lean on, says a whole lot more than words can sometimes. And I also learned 
Now, when I really needed words that I could always trust in the words of Scripture, I found comfort in Romans 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I found strength in Psalm 121. I looked to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I found strength in those words of Scripture. In Adam Hamilton's book, called Half-Truths, on this very topic, he offers a new phrase for all of us to consider. Instead of saying to someone, God won't give you more than you can handle, he suggests we replace it with God will help you handle everything you've been given. God will help you handle everything you've been given. And before I close, I wanted to say one final word to anyone who has indeed ever wondered if perhaps God somehow, someway, way overestimated your strength. If you've come to a moment and place in your life when you realize you can't handle all that you've been given, I hope you will remember, I hope you will trust that you do not walk this road alone. And our Savior's love you will be held to in a love that will not ever let you go. There's no pain too big, no grief so maddening, no hurt or wrong so hard that his love cannot still find you. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we pray for the courage to not settle for half-truths when what we crave and what we need is your deep truth of your love and grace in our lives. We pray that we might face our own sufferings and losses and the courage to talk less and to listen more for your spirit. We pray for the wisdom of your scripture to guide us and give, you, give us strength when we need it. And we hope and we trust in a Savior's love who won't ever let us go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.